Most of you know I like to cook. I like to prepare food. It's become something of a passion for me over the last couple of years. COVID really did that. It just gave me a nice outlet to do something relaxing. I find it satisfying <laughs> in a lot of ways. I find my cooking satisfying. Now, Trish would likely tell you, uh, she would roll her eyes and she would say, he has too many tools when it comes to cooking. He's always bringing home something new and I'm always finding something I need, like, uh, like my, uh, my garlic press, okay? My garlic press, I don't know. You ain't got a garlic press? This is a, gr oh yeah. And you know, as soon as you, you put a little oil in the pan and you, you crimp that down, oh, the smells, it's just amazing. I'm always looking for the latest and the greatest. Not always the greatest, this, this one's actually the greater. You're gonna wish you laughed by the time I'm done. You're gonna wish you had laughed at that. It's my grater. But I'm always looking for some new tool. But you know, it's not always about the latest and the greatest. Sometimes it's the tried and the true. It's the ones that you've always had, the things that have always worked, the things that always do a great job. And, and, and you know, here's one of them. It's a simple thing, this right here. This, this is my pot stirrer. You know, and it does a great job. The pot stirrer works. You don't need anything fancy. They actually make robotic pot stirrers. Uh, my birthday is coming up, by the way. Uh, it's on Tuesday. They make robotic pot stirrers. Uh, Trish says we don't need one. All right. Uh, anyway, what do I know? Uh, so they make the, they make those, but this works great, you know, and and it's great because it keeps it keeps the pasta from clumping. You don't want the pasta to clump, and so you stir and keep the pasta moving. And if you're making a soup or a stew and you want to introduce some spices, it's a great way to stir. It keeps the flavors all mingling and mixing together. You stir in the spices and stir in the herbs. I, I love it. You might even say you might even say that I love to stir the pot. Now, when it comes to food, pot stirring is important because when it comes to food, you can't let things settle. Pot stirring keeps it all moving. It keeps stuff from clumping together. There is another kind of pot stirring, though. There's another kind of pot stirring in relationships and in conversations, pot stirring in life. And there are those who don't let things settle. There are those who won't let things settle. They keep an argument alive. They continue to stir up problems. And everything about pot stirring that makes, that makes food awesome can make relationships difficult, can make life difficult. And yet there are those who love to stir the pot. I think about a woman I knew years ago, different time, different church, I'll use a different name. I'm going to call her Karen for no particular reason at all. Karen loved to stir the pot. And she'd tell this person this thing and that person that thing. Never address the person that needed to be addressed. She would tell other people. And over the years, I watched the pastor of that church go to Karen and tell her that this was not acceptable and this needed to stop. I watched the elders go to her and say, this is not acceptable, it needs to stop. And for a while, it would stop for a while. Karen would be peaceful and everything would be fine and everything would work out. And you'd think, we finally got some healing, we finally got some things together, it's going to be good, we're going to have peace. And then suddenly, and without warning, Karen would start stirring the pot again. Can we be honest? 
Can we say we've known our share of potsters? We've felt the effects of their presence and we've, we've made excuses because we love them. We've made excuses like, that's just the way they are. If you just ignore them and leave them alone, it'll be fine. But not everybody has always known them. Not everybody has always known that's just the way they are. Deep down, we've known it's not right. It's not godly. It's not encouraging. There is nothing of Christ in that kind of pot stirring. Pot stirring does nothing to promote health in the church, unity in relationships. It keeps us from clumping together. And as a church, that's something we want. We want to be one big clump. We want to all be together. It's being one, being one community, one church. We're called to be one. Over and over again in the Bible, we find warnings about those who would stir up trouble. They are everywhere. Old Testament, New Testament, you find those warnings. They're even there in the Proverbs. In fact, they're there several times in the Proverbs. We're going to look specifically at Proverbs 15, verse 1 today. If you're using those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 538. If you're using a device that you have today and you have the Bible app and you can find the event for today, you will find not just this reference, but every reference I'm going to use today. 538. This is one of the best known verses, one of the best known Proverbs, one of the most often quoted Proverbs. I will not say it's one of the most loved I don't think it should be on anyone's most loved list when it comes to verses in the Bible, but it is necessary. Proverbs 15, verse 1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Well, you've seen the truth of that one. I've been telling you that one of the things about Proverbs is you have to let them sit. You have to think about them. You have to meditate on them, or you have to kind of let them marinate, you know? You kind of have to live with them for a while. You don't have to live with this one very long before you understand the truth of this one. It tells us a lot about our speech. It tells us a lot about our attitudes. It tells us about what brings healing and, and what brings pain. Proverbs 15.1 calls us to consider three things about the words that we choose. It, it calls us to consider the quality of our speech. Is our speech soft or is our speech harsh? Again, 15 verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You notice there in that second clause, a harsh word. It's singular, just one harsh word, that's all it takes. One harsh word and, and a, a relationship is fractured. One hurtful comment and mistrust is fostered. A, a heart is broken because that one harsh word gets replayed over and over again. Did they really mean that? Why did they say that? Why would they say that to me? And after a while, it, it doesn't get better. It just ends up getting worse and worse. It doesn't have to be about quantity. It's about quality. One harsh word. There's another proverb, Proverbs 16. In the next, very next chapter, Pro Proverbs 16, verses 27 and 28. A worthless man plots evil. His speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife. And a whisperer separates close friends. Whisperer. A, it means a gossip, by the way. When you hear the word whisperer, it's about gossip. Gossip 
stirs the pots. In the Greek language, the word for gossip sounds like whispers. It has a lot of noises in it. I would pronounce it for you, but I can't. <laughs> and it's very quiet. It's a quiet word, and it just has all of these S sounds in it because it's supposed to sound like whispers, except maybe it's not whispers. Maybe that word sounds like that because it also sounds like snakes. Do you remember the serpent in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say he stirs the pot a little bit. Do we hear the words that we choose? Do we hear what our words sound like? Do we hear the effect that they have on others? Again and again through Scripture, we're called to choose better words. One of my favorite books is Colossians, there in your New Testament. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. I brought my salt grinder with me today. I love my salt grinder. He says, Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt. Now, he's not saying your speech should be salty. Okay? That's a whole different sermon. We're not going to get into that right now. He's not saying salty. But he says seasoned with salt. You know, if you, if you put a little salt, I, I always put a little salt in my food. Some people in our family like a lot more salt. Those people have problems. Uh, you don't need a lot of salt, but, but you know, Trisha appreciates a little bit more salt than I usually put in my food. She's out there. Oh, she can hear me still. The, yeah, the speakers are working. Hi, honey. Love you. Anyway, she appreciates a little more salt than I do. But you, know, you put the right amount of salt. You grind enough salt and a little bit of salt in there and the mashed potatoes suddenly just kind of come alive. You, noodles, oh my goodness, they taste so much better. You put a little salt in there, it just brings the flavor out. And Paul is saying there in Colossians that the conversations that we have ought to bring flavor to our lives. It ought to bring flavor and, and make life more enjoyable. Your speech ought to do that. Your conversations ought to be full of life. It ought to add life. The things that you say add life. But a harsh word, a harsh word stirs up wrath. Uh, I thought about bringing uh, another tool that I have, and that is my barkeeper's friend. Does anyone have barkeeper's friend at home? I love my cast iron skillet, and the only thing that gets it clean is barkeeper's friend and an SOS pad. That works great because it's harsh. It takes off the stuff that's stuck on there. A harsh word stirs up wrath. It means the word there that's used for harsh, it can also mean painful. We might say some clumsy things that hurt people every now and then. We might say some clumsy things, and then we apologize for it later. I have done that so many times. I've let my mouth run, and I've said things I didn't mean to say, and I've apologized. I've taken my lumps. I've tried to make amends. You see a harsh word here. It's not just that the word is hurtful. It is said to hurt. It intends to hurt. That's the goal. And something like that ought to never be coming out of the mouth of someone who follows Jesus. Proverbs 15.1 calls us to consider the quality of our speech. Are we saying things that are meant to hurt others? It's also a call for us to examine the type of speech that we are using. Are we responding or are we reacting? Do we respond to someone or are we reacting to what they've said? I want you to hear it again. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up 
anger. One is an answer. In other words, it is the appropriate response to what has been said. If you're answering someone, you have made the appropriate response to what they've said. But the other, the harsh word, it's not a response, it's a reaction. It doesn't help, it doesn't do anything good, it only makes things worse. And it calls us to consider how we speak to each other, how we interact with each other. Are, are the words that we choose, are they a reaction? Are we reacting or are we responding? I mentioned this before, when, when I had my COVID-19 vaccine, and if you've had your vaccine, they did the same thing for you, I'm sure. They made you wait at the pharmacy or the hospital, wherever you got it, they made you wait for 15 minutes. They made you wait because they wanted to see if you were going to have a reaction to the, to the vaccine. I didn't have a reaction in 15 minutes. I had my reaction later. Uh, I ended up with a fever and chills and a headache, and I was miserable for a few hours until that worked out. The reaction wasn't fun, and the reaction is not the intended result of the, uh, of the vaccine. The reaction is a side effect. The intended result is that your body builds up immunity. That's how a body responds to the vaccine. That's how you respond to medicine, respond to a treatment. You, doctor may give you medicine that is supposed to make you well, and you may end up with hives, you may end up with trouble. That's the reaction. The response is that you get better. When we're speaking to one another, are we responding? Are we answering them? Or are we reacting? Are we making things worse? Just a few verses down there in Proverbs 15, verse 18 says this, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. For several years, I did volunteer work for a website for a game that I enjoyed playing, and it was my job to help other people enjoy that game also. My job was to make sure that the website was working for them, that they were able to do things that they needed to do. It was a, it was a wonderful opportunity to, to serve some people and to, to, to care for them. I remember one day I got an email from a, from a man. Things weren't working right on the website, just a website, just a game. Things weren't working right for him, and he was very unhappy, and he expressed his unhappiness to me. This wasn't right, and I wasn't helping, and I wasn't treating him right. And then he went on to say, and I'll have you know that I am a veteran of the United States military, and I deserve better service than this. I don't know what that had to do with a game that he was playing. Part of me wanted to just give it back to him. And I probably even typed out a few words in my email just to let him have it. And then I thought better of it because I suddenly stopped and said, this is a game. Why would anyone get worked up about this? And so I, I emailed him back and I said, I said, I'm really sorry about your, about your experience. I want to do what I can to make it right. I'm going to try to fix this. I'm going to you know, make some tweaks here and there, and it should work for you. And then I went on and I said, you know, your reaction is a little over the top. I said it nicer than that. It's a little more than what needs to be done for a website. You know, your reaction was a little much. And I said, are you okay? I just asked him, are you all right? It's probably 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, he emails me back and he said, no. He thanked me, first of all, for helping him out. And he said, no, he said, things aren't going well. He said, my wife's sick. 
said, I'm not doing well, and we're having some problems. And, and he apologized. He said, I was, I was out of line. I shouldn't, have even, I shouldn't have said those things. And we swapped a couple, three more emails, and we were very encouraging to one another. Now, I, I, that's my one example of when I got it right. <laughs> I've got one. I wish I could tell you I always got it right, but I don't. But that one time, I managed to get it right, and I'm glad I got it right, and I'm glad I got it right for him. But, you know, the realization hit me in that moment. This man's reaction was not normal. Most people, I still believe most people are nice. I still believe that the majority of people want to be good. The majority of people want to get along with each other. And I think we owe each other the benefit of the doubt when there are harsh words exchanged that maybe something else is going on. And I think we need to owe each other the benefit of the doubt that nothing, uh, they probably were not intentional in hurting us. But sometimes they do. Sometimes it is intentional. And I've said this many times, and it bears repeating again, hurting people hurt people. Hurting people respond by hurting other people people. There are those who have said hurtful things to me, who have said hurtful things to you, who have said hurtful things about us. And I promise you, I promise you, those people are hurting. And they've hurt for so long, and they've hurt so badly, that all they know how to do is hurt in return. I want to make sure that my first instinct, my first desire is to bring healing to their hurt. I want us to be a place where people can be healed from their hurts. And to do that, we need to keep an eye on the quality of our speech. Is it soft? Is it harsh? We need to make sure that we're responding to a need instead of simply reacting to an offense or problem. And we also need to consider the goal of our speech. What's the goal of our speech? <laughs> we need to ask ourselves the question, whether it's in person, whether it's on the phone, whether it's online, typing a response, whether it's in an email, we need to ask this question. Will saying this make things better? It's as simple as that. Will saying this, will typing this, will responding with this, will saying this make things better? One more time, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I have to ask, why would anyone want to be a pot stirrer? Why would anyone want to do that? And yet I have known those. I have known those who love to stir the pot. And I have known those who would brag about it. I, I knew someone who would say, every now and then I just say something just to see what happens. I say something just to see what happens. It's like throwing a bomb in the middle of a conversation and boom, I want to see what happens. I want to see how it breaks things up. Can I quote Jesus on that? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Every careless word they speak. When someone tells me they couldn't care less what the response to their pot stirring is, I have to wonder about that. Did that person care that his words were hurtful? Did he care that he was stirring trouble? Did he care that he pitted friends against friends? That he fractured churches with that? 
What's it going to be like for that person to give an account on that day? And this was a friend of mine. And I really wish that I had had the nerve, that I had had the guts to confront his words. I really wish I'd had the, the nerve to confront him. That's hard to do. It really is. It, it's just very difficult to do. It's a, it's a hard relationship. It's a special relationship if you've got someone who can say those words that confront you. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. This is an important one. They're all important. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You hear that? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Do you have a friend like that? I have friends like that. I have friends who have permission to wound me when I need to be wounded. I have friends that have permission to tell me, Brett, you're out of line. Brett, you're making a big deal out of this. Brett, you did that wrong. Brett, you should have thought about this. Brett, where's your head? <laughs> I've got friends who have that right and that kind of relationship to, uh, to say those kind of things. You need someone in your life who has permission to say the hard things and confront you when you're wrong. And you need to know in that moment that they're not doing it to, to stir up trouble. They're doing it to bring healing. They are speaking the truth in love. Last week, I talked about how kind words, kind words can lessen anxiety for other people. I hope you did your homework. I hope you did your homework this week, even if it costs you money or time. I hope you did the homework and you said some kind words to people because that's what I sent you home to do last week. Some, someone this week, you were supposed to say something kind. I did it this week. I had a kind conversation and, and had some kind words with someone this week. It's very important. But the reality is we know people whose conversations cause anxiety. We've known those whose conversations can cause anxiety. And let's be honest, we, we, we've known people like that. We've loved people like that. There have been times when we have worshipped with people like that. And there have been times when we've had to address it. There have been times when your preacher or your church leaders have had to say, that's not a godly conversation to have. That's not thing, good things to be saying. That's not the ex example of, a godly, of godly conduct or godly conversation. And I can confirm this. Those conversations seldom go well. But that doesn't mean they aren't necessary. That doesn't mean they aren't the right conversation to have. And on the other hand, there are times when we have avoided those kind of conversations. And it never gets better. It just ends up getting so much worse. Jesus warns the pot stirrers. He warns all of us that one day we will give an account for every careless word spoken. But he also promises. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus promises, blessed are the peacemakers, even those who make peace with potsters. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In other words, if we work at making peace, they will be called sons of God. They will be like Jesus. A little later on in your Bible, in James, 
James picks that up in James chapter 3, verse 18, and he says, Peacemakers who sow in peace produce a harvest of righteousness. In other words, we put the work into making peace. We don't just, we don't just become like sons of God ourselves, but we make other people more like Jesus. We sow a, a harvest of righteousness. We put the work into making peace, and others become like Jesus. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> one little proverb, one little verse, one little sentence, and it can hit us so hard. Our words are like that too. Our words can hit hard. Thankfully, our words don't have to just be about tearing down, but, but our words can build each other up. The things that we say to others can be healing. They can be gracious. They can be seasoned with salt. The things we say to each other can bring life and flavor and enjoyment. I've mentioned this before through this series on Proverbs that Billy Graham had this habit of reading one chapter of Proverbs a day and five of the Psalms every day. If you do that, you make it all the way through both of those books in a month. But he said he read one chapter of Proverbs every day to keep himself right with man. And he read five of the Psalms every day to keep himself right with God. And some of you have told me you do the same thing. You have that same habit, and that's wonderful. There's a Psalm, Psalm 141, verse 3. This Psalm is a prayer. And the prayer says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. You know, if each one of us prayed that prayer, if each one of us made that commitment, can you imagine the life we could have together? Can you imagine the way we could bring people together, the blessing that we could be? Let's commit to guarding our words. Let's commit to saying words that are healing, words that are helpful to one another. Let's commit to choosing words. Choose words that produce peace. Choose words that that produce peace. That's my encouragement to you this week. Choose words that produce peace. Now, last week I gave you a little card to remember to say some kind words to someone. This week we're giving you a little card. We've got them in the table in the back there in one of the drawers. We're going to get them out here pretty soon. But we're going to give you these little cards to remind you this week to, uh, uh, to, to choose to, to set a guard over your mouth and keep watch over the doors of your lips. It's a little card, and you know, last week I told you to put it somewhere where you'd see it every day, maybe on your bathroom mirror, maybe on your dashboard, someplace where you're going to see it every day. Maybe you need to put this one someplace where you have conversations. Maybe this one goes on the coffee table or wherever it is that you sit and talk. Maybe this one stays with you. Maybe this one goes in your Bible. Maybe this one... Maybe you tape this to your phone this week. <laughs> Keep it there handy where you... I, always, I would say set it by your phone, but you can't do that anymore. Your phone goes with you. Maybe you take a picture and make it your wallpaper for the week. But it's got that prayer from Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. And then it has one of the most helpful things that I've found in a long time. If you go back and look at my office on the outside of the office door, you'll find this. And when you walk in, you'll find it again. Because I want you to see it coming into my office. And I want me to see it when I'm talking to you in the office. It's a little thing that says, before you speak, before you speak, think. T-H-I-N-K. Before you speak, think. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And K, is it 
kind. I think that's the most important one right there. I can't always be inspiring. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I can try to be kind. I can always be kind. Before you speak, think. Choose words that produce peace. And you'll find that they produce peace in you, and you'll find that they produce peace in others as well. We're going to share communion here in just a moment. And I'm reminded as we prepare that when God chose to make peace with us, it cost him very dearly. It cost him the life of his son. The bread remember, reminds us of the body broken. The cup reminds us of the bloodshed. It may cost you a little bit of pride to make peace with someone. You may have to suck it up and say some words you didn't want to say. It may cost you a little time. And in the end, it may not even work. But you choose words. Choose words that produce peace. Whether that peace was produced in that relationship or not, that peace will be produced in you. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And then we'll take together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that when we needed peace with you, you came. You came showing us the, the love that you have for us through your Son. Father, it was, it was your kindness that led us to repentance. And Father, we, we know that choosing peace cost you dearly. Lord, we want to be people of peace. We want to be known for the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and our minds. And so as we choose peace, we, choose a, we don't choose the easy way. We choose something that could cost us dearly. But we choose it that your Son, the Prince of Peace, would be glorified. We choose it because He will be lifted up. Father, we take the bread today. We ask your blessing over it as it reminds us of the body broken. And we take the cup and we ask your blessing as it reminds us of the bloodshed. Remind us of the price of peace. And remind us that we are called to be peacemakers. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.